welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. When you go there, you find two links, the first of which is uh, our, uh, well, the standard podcast uh, link. You'll find, I guess it's about... 50 or so. I never actually count. Uh, what happens is with the, with the particular podcast service that we use, uh, it, it, it holds a fixed number of these shows uh, online uh, as part of the accessible list thereof. And, and as you put a new one on, the last one drops off. I think the magic number is 50. So that would cover, since we're doing two a week, that means that covers 25 weeks. That's, that's uh, how many months is that? That's about f- five or six months worth of uh, center-left radio. So that should give you enough to work with. But of course, the second link is the Radio Loop link. Radio Loop link, I like that. Um, and it's exactly what the name says it is. It's this show, this show right now that you're listening to, Running in a Loop. You're, you're very possibly listening to it that way. You picked it up at wherever in the loop the show happened to be when you hit the link. It's a very analog kind of feel, but you still approach it in a very digital, modern way. Yes, you are crossing the great divide. You are, you are giving in to your analog urges, but yet reaffirming your digital savvy at the same time. I doubt that that really is bringing anybody more into the fold than's already there, but uh, it just sounds like a nice way of presenting it. In any event, we're very happy to have you with us uh, on this, the uh, Tuesday, the 16th of May in the year 2023, and uh, and the earth is continuing to turn, and it remains at pretty much a 23 and a half degree tilt on its axis. We are approaching the summer solstice. We're a little more than a month away when we, we hit the point where we, there is a full six hours of difference in the amount of sunlight received uh, here at 43 degrees north latitude. Uh, Between that and uh, the winter solstice, uh, for people here at 43 degrees, six hours less. It's, uh, and it's gradual, it picks up day by day, it's, it's a minute or two every day, uh, the number goes up, or the amount of daylight goes up, and it will continue to go up until roughly the 21st of June, I don't, I don't know, I forget when the exact moment is where the, we hit that absolute apex, and then the number starts to uh, decline. And uh, you don't notice it when it happens, but it's there. And we just sort of passed through that moment. There used to be, do you recall, when I was a kid, uh, 
they would tell you, or I, I, you always heard from someone who was absolutely certain of this. They heard it from someone else. It was presented as scientific fact that at the split second of the, uh, was it the equinox? Yeah, that would have been, that not the solstice, the equinox. The, what happens in between when there is an exact uh, equal amount of daylight, 12 hours and 12 hours. Uh, at that moment, if you took a raw egg and placed it on a table with its broad end, with the broad end of it, not the, not the slightly more tapered end, but the thicker end of it, on the table, touching the table and you kind of you kind of held it there and waited till the exact second when the equinox took place and you then you released it well that raw egg would stay sitting right there something about gravity uh suddenly uh, went wild and everything got pulled to the earth just right and it was it was a total crock I, and, I, and again, I can actually remember. I can actually remember doing this. There were more than there was more than one occasion where, uh, and I was probably I was a I guess I was in you know twelve, thirteen, somewhere in that range there. Uh, actually hearing, okay, the exact moment of the equinox was going to be at such and such a time. It was during the day. It wasn't in the middle of the night, fortunately, and holding an egg there. And then simply when it didn't work at that second, imagining that I had probably done something wrong, that the reality was still there, and I simply hadn't comported. I had, I had not done it the right way. Someone else doing it might have done it better. And in fact, the egg really should have stood on its side there, which is not unlike the type of belief system that we have uh, operating within our political sphere these days, that no matter how much proof you have of something to the contrary, if you are, for whatever reason, if, 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 you, if you are possessed of a, uh, a preconceived notion, that things are supposed to be a certain way, even if the, if the reality in front of you says, no, uh, it, it isn't, the facts don't bear it out, the physical manifestations tell you, no, it's exactly the opposite, somehow, somehow, many people will find a way to still hold on to a belief that has absolutely no foundational basis whatsoever, either in their own experience or in if, if they could if they could find the the will within their own capacity to reason. So neither reason nor experience supports much of what is is held onto as political reality these days. Um, I, I, I guess the easiest, the easiest analogy would be to, uh, or at least today's analogy, the easiest one to, to point to right now, would be the recent Durham, John Durham, 
who was a, uh, a Connecticut prosecutor uh, with the Justice Department, who basically came on board uh, once, I, I guess, who, who would have brought him in? It would have been, would it have been justice that did it? Uh, he basically uh, was sort of like the Kool-Aid bearer of Donald Trump and was tasked with finding the fault, finding the prejudice, really, finding the, uh, the, the, uh, the, not, not even, I, I want to say the gremlins, but finding, finding the, the nefarious intent within the FBI relative to the investigation, the Russian investigation that had been done about Donald Trump. And, and I think people forget where all of that started. By, by the way, I simply mention this because Durham came out with a report finally yesterday, on the 15th of May, four years after beginning his process. He was appointed a special prosecutor under Trump. He was made a special prosecutor. So you, to, you, you must be appointed under the Justice Department. So under the Justice Department, under Bill Baer, under Donald Trump, I'm, you know, who basically you know, weaponized the Justice Department to his, own, to his own image and liking and just you know, whatever he wanted to get done, uh, John Durham went ahead and undertook an investigation which Trump said would prove, and Durham was, pro was tasked with proving that the FBI had uh, totally prejudicial and was totally intent on destroying Donald Trump and the Trump campaign when, in 2016, it opened up a counterintelligence uh, study, a counterintelligence case, as it were, a case file. And you kind of have to understand how the FBI does things. But it opened up a case file, a counterintelligence case file, based on information it had about a connection between Russia and certain members of the Trump campaign. And, and Donald, of course, you know, caught wind of this eventually, as everybody else did. And it, as it winds up, I mean, you, you have to... You have to recognize that then there was a Senate report that was issued by, I guess by the time the Senate report was issued, uh, it was 2019. The Senate was in, uh, it was in Republican hands at that time. Marco Rubio, I believe, was the head of the Intelligence Committee, and the, a, a joint conference within that committee Republican and Democratic senators issued a report saying, this is under Rubio, okay, Marco Rubio, saying that in fact, in fact, they had determined after careful study that there was in fact Russian influence, counterintelligence influence on the Trump campaign, that it was there, that Russia was attempting to influence. Now, how much personal willingness on the part of Donald Trump. It, the, the Senate report never went into that. Uh, the, the Mueller report, which dealt with the same subject matter, did suggest, 
Although, although Bill Barr got on, you know, got on his high horse and said that, no, 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 the suggestions that are in the Mueller report, the 10, the 10 counts that any other, any, any lawyer could look at and basically say, ah, the only thing missing from each of these counts, these, these collections of facts is a statement saying, and therefore this adds up to felonious activity, to criminal activity, and should be prosecuted as such. The way the Mueller report laid out these various activities, Russian-related activities, and, and, and connected them to Donald, quite honestly, as well as others in the campaign, was laying out the facts but never adding the words at the end, and therefore all of this equals a crime. It was easy to do that. All you had to do was add that sentence in yourself. It was left to prosecuting attorneys to do so. Mueller, for whatever reason, was not going to declare it a crime. He simply was simply going to, just the facts, ma'am, is where he left it. And since there was no statement specifically about crimes, Bill Barr, uh, basically as the weaponization um, captain appointed by Donald Trump within the Justice Department, probably, probably in my lifetime, the most politicized Justice Department I've ever seen, weaponized, if you will. I mean, the irony of, of, uh, of uh, what's his name, uh, Johnson, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, congressman, uh, basically the one who doesn't wear a coat, and he's head of the Weaponization of Government Subcommittee, and they have hearings because, well, they can, and they try to say who uh, weaponized government, and it's always being weaponized against Republicans, and, and it's against Donald, and it's, and it's, it's just foolishness and, and, and absurdity uh, to the point of, of, of laughability. But, but basically, the weaponization, the true weaponization of government is something that was done under Donald Trump in an effort basically to besmirch and demean anyone in any area of government that basically was trying to get in his way of doing whatever the hell he wanted to do to maintain his own power. And this, of course, became apparent more and more as he got into his second campaign and essentially with everything that happened on January 6th. But the point, of, just going back now to the Durham report, uh, there's nothing new in the Durham report. It, it re restates information that was contained in the original Rubio report from the Senate. They contain, there there was information to the effect that the Russians were involved. Okay, and, and that report, no, maybe I have to stay with that for a moment. That report was also part and parcel of the information that ultimately resulted in the convictions. Okay, that information was contained in that report and was part of the information used in the trials of Manafort and Flynn and, and, and several other people. And, uh, and uh, who else was it there? there? There was a bunch of Trump people, all of whom were ultimately pardoned by Donald simply because Donald declared that anything that was done to them 
was being done with ill intent and could not have possibly been valid, even though they were all convicted by juries of their peers of crimes that were perfectly and clearly spelled out. And you go beyond that to the present and realize that the Durham report did nothing but nothing to actually say that the FBI was in fact culpable of or, or liable for consciously attempting to destroy these people simply because they were Donald's people. No. At worst, what this report does is rehash the allegations about that. It rehashes two lawsuits that were brought by Durham in the course of his four years as a special prosecutor, both of which he lost. It, it tells all of the, it, it, it repeats the belly aching and all of the complaints but has nothing more to add because nothing more was found. It talks about procedures within the FBI that might have been questionable, but which the FBI itself has already corrected relative to how information was handled internally but finds and can conclude in no way that there was a expressed prejudice on the part of anyone within the FBI relative to the prosecution that ultimately put a bunch of criminals in prison, and Donald, of course, sprung the trap because he basically had the capacity to do so as the commander-in-chief. Now... That hasn't stopped Republicans all over the place from taking victory laps over this, this Durham report. There's, there's nothing in it. There's nothing, there's not a new word in it. It doesn't remind anybody that it basically was that part of it was it was coming after a bipartisan Senate report that still is the last word on what happened in the Russian investigation. That four years were spent, and who knows how many millions of dollars, and a couple of failed lawsuits to basically conclude nothing more than, well, there was a there there. And in the end, the FBI was 100% justified in opening the counterintelligence file on the Trump campaign. Nowhere in this report, and I'm, I'm, I have not read the whole thing, but I'm listening to people who have, nowhere in there is there anything to contradict the fundamental action of the FBI that was the basis for starting this whole Durham investigation for appointing a special counsel who basically was charged with find the nefarious intent, not, not examine the facts. No, no, no. You, sir, will, uh, Donald, I can only imagine Donald telling uh, Durham this or someone on Donald's behalf, find, find the bad guy. Find the bad guys in the FBI. Prove 
that they basically were totally, uh, it was d done with the intent to basically smear the president. No, there was there. It never happened. It's not there. But Republicans are taking victory laps today simply over the rehashing of the allegations that led to all of this and the rehashing of components of the lawsuits that failed under Dorman. And it's kind of a shame because John Durham was a is or was, however you want to put it, a hell of a career prosecutor, a highly respected guy, and somehow he, Trump got him to drink the Kool-Aid. And the simple reality is, no matter what anyone says, whatever I say, whatever any commentator on the larger media uh, platforms say, to basically summarize, accurately summarize, the reality of what was in this report, it doesn't matter. The, the, uh, the silos that, that are the, the bailiwick of the, uh, the far-right have declared that the Durham report is a total success and completely convicts the FBI of total prejudice in its activities and that Donald and... And that Donald, I, I, I don't know that they've said that, gone this far, but that Donald was justified in destroying the, the final sentencing of the various, uh, uh, the, the various courts that convicted Manafort and Flynn and, 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 and all of these, Papadopoulos, whatever his name, all of these guys. Uh, no, they were completely, it was all done presidentially and... But there isn't a shred of that there. There, there. There's nothing to sustain that. But this fantasy will be continued. And 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 it's. Uh, <laughs> I I I I don't know. I, I suppose by now we're we're accustomed to this, that separate sets of facts and separate realities seem to be governing different portions of the American populace. The other thing that I'm aware of that, that seem, but th there are certain things, however, that seem to, to join everybody, okay? There are certain common facts. There's not a lot of them. One of them seems to be the assumption that no matter what, Donald will be the candidate of the Republican Party when all is said and done. He will be the standard bearer. He will be the candidate for president in the 2024 election. That's, that seems to be a given. And it, and it seems to be a given for the, uh, for the Democrats, for the, for the, for the left-leaning side of the equation, for the, for the information sources that are coming from the left. This is... This is given as well. Now, on the part of the, of the Republicans, on the part of, or the Trumpians, or whatever you want to call the, the MAGAists, on the part of the people where Donald, you know, his, where his political world is sort of based, I can understand that much of where they're coming from is fear. They don't know where else to go. They're kind of stuck where they're stuck. And Donald still holds sway 
over. He's the loudest. He's got the biggest mouth. He's got, he's the most frightful. He, he can, he still threatens. He, he loses elections left and right, but he, he is still the only thing that they've got that's big and loud enough and scary enough to kind of keep everybody in line and they're at this stage of the game still having still having wrapped their arms around him there's this fear of what happens if we let go meanwhile and and now that's and and, and that is a belief I, I am sure I'm positive that's being held by the left that that or this is how it's viewed they won't let go of him they can't but now you're hearing regularly if, if that were the case, by the way, no other, there wouldn't be a, a glimmer of a possibility of anyone else running for the Republican nomination. Well, Nikki Haley has declared already. I'm pretty well, Nikki Haley. Well, Ron DeSantis has all but declared he's out there. Uh, <laughs> Mike Pence is about to. Is it Asa Hutchins? Who's, no, no, not who, uh, who, who is, there's a, there's a governor, there, there are probably at least four or five people out there who have either f fully declared or are on the verge of declaring, and there's a bunch of others. How do you square that with the accepted reality, I would say on both sides, that Donald will be the ultimate standard bearer for the Republicans? How can you square that? Does that make any sense? Well, of course it doesn't make any sense. But on the other hand, well, it doesn't make any sense when you attempt to square it against the accepted wisdom of, of both sides on this concerning Donald. But then there's the reality, you see. The reality is, is that there's going to be at least two, if not three more uh, indictments brought against him. He'll have four outstanding indictments against him at one time, probably at least one of those cases, if not two or more, will be uh, handled, will, will actually come to, to trial uh, before the, uh, be, probably before the nomination process takes place, or certainly during the campaign period. And he will lose virtually every one of those cases. Now, especially the Mar-a-Lago documents case is a, is, a, is a slam dunk. The Georgia case is a slam dunk. They've got this information. Everybody's being incredibly cautious about it. No one, you know, everybody knows that once you pull, once you pull the trigger on this thing, there, there's, no, there's no going back. They know that this will end in a conviction, and that's probably as frightening as anything else. I, 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 Alvin Bragg, I, I, I give him credit for being the first out of the box with an indictment against Trump, but it was probably the most benign criminal offense, and he seems to have known that because of the time frame for response in the, in, the, in the discovery process, nothing about that case was going to happen for damn close to a year. So that even though he had the first indictment out there, he probably would be back in the line when it came to who actually goes to trial first.
it would seem far more likely that some of these federal cases, and especially the uh, documents case, could be brought to trial with relative speed, given the simple and direct nature of what it is the case is about. And I keep going back to the documents case because when it is won by the federal government, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but when it is gone, won, one of the three laws that will have been broken, that Donald will be convicted of breaking, would be a law that has as the punishment for breaking it Donald's complete uh, prohib a prohibition against him or anyone else who would break this law, a prohibition against running for any federal office for the rest of your life. Okay, so that when, if this trial comes into play, Donald, even if it's just simply the conviction, you will get the storyline will be out there, okay, that Donald cannot run. Oh, well, well, I'm running. I don't care. They haven't brought, the, they haven't brought it against me. I've only been indicted, but the, but the storyline will be out there that if I lose or if he loses depending on who, you know, who's, who's saying it. He's not going to say this. If he loses, he will not be able to run. What happens if that conviction takes place during the period that he's running? Will he then pardon himself from the... I mean, the, 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 the absurdity, the absurdity of the, of the self-dealing that would come into play knowing how Donald operates were he to lose that case, but have been elected in the meanwhile, means that he'd have to begin his presidency with, it, with pardoning himself or giving himself free reign to completely deny a sentence which says he couldn't have run in the first place and can't become president. And all of this is going to get out there as that, once that indictment hits, hits the airwaves. Now, you're not hearing anyone talk about this because somehow the media, the, the, the cable media, which seems to be, and of course, the social media and the online and the different platform, everybody is preoccupied with the, effect, with the Trump effect and, and everybody has taken a position on how, how good an idea it is for Donald to run. But to keep making their storylines, to keep presenting their storylines, it requires, it requires keeping the notion out there that Donald will be the nominee of the party. And I, and I keep going back to this, and I've done this on a number of shows. There's absolutely no basis for absolutely being absolutely certain that Donald will be the nominee. What I keep asking people to just ask themselves, throw two more indictments out there. Start talking about what the penalties are. And yes, the immediate, the immediate reaction is, oh, Donald won't stop. No, Donald won't stop. Donald won't stop ever. He has no off switch. But the party at some point is going to have to basically give out. 
It's going to have to loosen its grip when the reality that he can't do anything with the independent vote, with the reality that the base is being shrunk down to a more and more condensed version of people willing to accept the insanity that is Donald, when the reality of what the consequences of losing the most black and white case pending out there against him would be, namely, that he would not even be allowed to run for federal office. When that hits the airwaves, there's absolutely no reason to assume that the Republicans will collectively commit suicide. You see, because then the reality of where this is going will hit them. That whatever his status is, once the Mar-a-Lago case is finally decided, part of his penalty will be that he could never have run for federal office in the first place. And he'll have to, therefore, forgive himself for that. He'll have to automatically, the only way out of it is to pardon himself. Do you see the insanity of that? Republicans will. Everyone will. Everybody will understand that he's already... <laughs> there, there, there's a point at which even Republicans, even Trumpians, even MAGAists are going to finally have to loosen their grip. If they don't, the whole country goes down. So I, I guess what I'm presenting to you is that there will have to be a point where we decide, or Republicans decide, no, we don't want to destroy the country. Because if we do, well, at least people in the legislature and in the Senate, we destroy our jobs as well. There's nothing to be representing. If we take away the rule of law completely, if we basically ab abrogate the Constitution, if we basically walk away from the whole structure of government for the sake of promoting Donald, we don't have any place to have a job. We have no power. Now, we're, they're, they're going to confront that to some extent in the next week or so, uh, with the uh, with the budget situation, well, with with the national debt situation, Biden is going to raise that ceiling unilaterally if the Republicans don't come on board. No one's saying anything just yet, but I am convinced that if worse comes to worse, and if Kevin McCarthy, uh, being owned by the far right end, the MAGAists within within his conference, if they will not come along and separate out the debt ceiling from um, the budget process, and stop trying to negotiate against both the debt ceiling and the budget simultaneously by demanding cuts. In other words, not being willing to pay our existing bills in order to just basically make a political point. Biden will either go 14th Amendment or coin a trillion dollar coin and basically pay our outstanding bills. There's no way in hell he's going to allow that to happen. He has the power to use the 14th Amendment or to basically, literally, mint a coin to pay for the entire thing and then dare the Republicans to challenge him for having paid or taken care of the national debt. 
that will be the first kick in the teeth that Republicans will have to deal with, okay? That this, is be, this will be the first taste of reality. You're going to have to, and, and Donald, by the way, has already said, oh, go ahead, default on the national debt. <laughs> well, you can't. You can't default on the national debt. No one, the president is not going to do it. And I, and I, and I, and I, I dare anyone to, to say or imagine, oh, of course, of course he will. Of course they'll take it to the line and he'll allow it to go over the line and then everybody, the government will stop uh, paying Medicare and Medicaid and, and Social Security checks will stop and, 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 our, and, our, and our rating, our Moody's rating will go to, you know, uh, C minus. No, it's not going to happen. There's too many ways out of it. And once, and once McCarthy and the Republicans have been kicked in the teeth and realize that this is all a game and they can't win that one, Republicans generally, MAGAists generally, having gotten past this game and, and maybe no longer uh, enthralled with the joy of, uh, of what am I trying to say, the, the joy of the, of the Durham report, rehashing it and, and completely lying about it, pulling a, a Bill Barr on the Durham report and saying, well, you know, the, the uh, Mueller report uh, uh, did not say that there were criminal offenses and therefore I say there are none. Uh, he, the, the, the president is exonerated completely. It never said that. He made it up. He's... Okay, and now they're making it up. They're making up their, you know, well, if Bill Barr could lie about the Mueller report, we can lie about the Durham report. We could say that is what it's not, and people will simply listen to us, and it's our version of reality. When Biden goes ahead and says, here's how we're covering the national debt, now go to hell. Okay, Kevin, I'm sorry, you kids... I'm not going to play with your kids anymore. This We can't play this way. That will begin the process of Republicans saying, well, maybe we can't do all of... Geez, and Donald said that we should let the national debt go. It sounds like a small thing. Well, actually, saving the country from default will be a huge thing. And Biden will take full credit for this. Kevin McCarthy, he knows what he's going to do. And Kevin McCarthy obviously doesn't know what he's going to do with this whole thing. He's, as all things, he's hoping that Biden will save him. Well, Biden will. And then the Republican Party may attempt to actually in some way save itself by finding alternatives to Donald. Because then the reality of these different uh, prosecutions will begin to ramp up more and more. And as I say, once the indictment comes down for the document case and the public becomes more aware of what one of the consequences for conviction will be against Donald, this is going to make the reality of who will our standard bearer be and the possibility of it not being Donald be that much more. Now, you're going to hear it from now until reality begins to set in. No, it's Donald and blah, blah, blah. And no matter what they do, they're stuck with him. No, they're not. No, they're, they're, they're politicians. 
and they all know what's going on, and they all know that there's a point at which it's going to affect their jobs, and it doesn't matter what Donald says. He's already said everything wrong. He's already taken the wrong position. He's taken the wrong position on, the, on, on raising the debt ceiling. He's going to be contradicted on that. The debt ceiling will be raised. And he's taken the wrong position on virtually everything else. And he will be in a position, the only way he would be able to serve as president would be if he began his term. As he takes the oath of office, he will have to pardon himself for a conviction that basically would prevent him from running, from being president. Okay, you got that? You got that? You got how crazy that whole sounds? And you, you, can you imagine that the Republicans are not figuring that out for themselves? You are going to see more and more Republicans entering the fray on this one, realizing that Donald, I'm sorry, folks, he is vulnerable. He is vulnerable. I don't, care, I don't care how many times you hear the media say he's not, that he owns it, that he's got a strangle. He is absolutely vulnerable, and that vulnerability will become apparent in a very short window of time as a few more situations begin to fall. Now, this is me commentating. This is my opinion, my thoughts, my ideas. But I think they're, they're grounded in reality. There's a point where, you know, the superhero movie, you do have to walk out of the theater at some point. And the lights hit your eye as you walk out, and it gets harder to, it gets harder to imagine all these things. The, the game gets harder to play. We're, we're coming to that point. We're going to, hit, we're going to hit a reality barrier here. And it's coming sooner than a lot, a lot of people think. I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing how this is going to play out and watching the Republicans now having to basically field another candidate who is going to go crazy trying to differentiate himself sufficiently from Trump. And maybe they're just going to have to accept the loss that's going to happen, this time without an insurrection following, one would hope, but they're going to have to accept a loss in order to perhaps save the party. They're going to have to sink the party to save it. But you see, if you stay with, with Trump, you, you evaporate the Republican Party. That will become apparent pretty shortly. At least, that's how I see it. How do you see it? You take these thoughts, work with this. No, no, they'll stay with Donald. They're going to go down with Donald to the end. They're getting ready for the next insurrection. They're going to... Really? Donald can't stop himself. Donald has no off switch. Are they going to go down with him? You really think so? You really think so, huh? <laughs> A little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. There's a reason why DeSantis and others are throwing their hat in the ring. It's not because they want to basically get destroyed by Donald and make him look that much stronger when he is awarded the uh, the nomination of the party for 2024. No, it's because he is vulnerable, and they know that the party will be destroyed if he runs, and they're going to be there to become the nominees.